going, everyone? This is Sweet Podcast. What is it? Episode 60? Fuck. Episode 60. Ridiculous. Um, Silent One, Frankie Whispers is here. And we got the technician, Ian Elliott. What's up? I'm Carl Brewer. What is going on, people? Uh, we're too short, short today. Um, I don't know what Steve is doing, but... He's joining with like robots right now, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's at some. Uh, he's at something with the word "con" at the end <laughs> of it. <laughs> and then uh, Jeremy's not feeling well. I think he's got a tummy, tummy ache. He got a tummy ache. He's hurting. <laughs> he's at the sick con. And we've kind of been on a hiatus lately, anyway. Like kind of uh, sometimes every, sometimes it's weekly, sometimes every two weeks. But uh, Frank was telling me yesterday, he's like, someone came up to him and was like, "Dude, what's going on?" Like, that's my Monday morning, like, episode. You know that? Like, I'm missing my Monday mornings. So we got to make sure that we get back on track, man. Yeah, we have a, a group message that goes on. And today I, I actually had put, uh, where's the eulogy? Because the podcast is dead, right? And it's really not. We're we're bringing it to life. But <laughs> it's been it's been busy for us. We got CPR going on it right and, now. And we still are intending to put those videos out. On our Instagram, which it has not happened yet. Sorry. Like, really sorry about that, too, guys. Dude, we've been, um, yeah, it's just the holiday season getting kind of busy. Um, but excuses are like assholes, so sorry for our excuses. We're going to do better. True enough. That's the thing. I don't want someone on Monday morning, which is already the worst day of the week anyway, mm-hmm. and then, and then uh, they're on their way to work, and then they're like, all right, sweet, at least I get to listen to these dudes like talk shit for 30, <laughs> 40 minutes, whatever, right? And then now we, we've taken that away too, so we now his Monday, that. his Monday is fucking now worse. And what if it was his birthday week, right? Oh, God. Like, that's just an omen of like, maybe he's going to have a bad birthday, and it was... It was our fault. Yeah. I just want to set people's week up to be the greatest week ever. That's it. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? It. Like, that's all I'm in the business of. I just want you to fucking, I want you to be listening right now with the fucking tall cup of hot or iced coffee, however you like it, and be laughing and fucking a smile on your face, knowing that you are now ready to face the assholes at work that you're going to be dealing with all week. You or, know? Maybe, or maybe they're not assholes. Maybe they're just... You know, a hemorrhoid of sorts. I don't know. Maybe they're just uh, an an ass rash every right. once in a while. They're they're uh, they're fucked up. But either way, man, we got uh, and there's a lot to talk about. Actually, surprisingly, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone watched UFC uh, last night, but it, it was amazing. Um, also, we have uh, a Bellator that happened Friday. Um, some good fights on Bellator. Also, a little bit of uh, a couple fights got pulled. I know Paul Daly, his fight got pulled because he had um, troubles making weight. Um, and there was there was one other fight that got pulled as well. Um, but one of the guys that was on the Sweet Podcast, uh, Javi Ayala with Joe Soto, he fought on Bellator. And I don't know if anyone's seen this. I shared it on um, our Instagram page, I believe. Or I took a photo, or where did I share it? Facebook. I shared it on Facebook or something, right? I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Um, he knocked out Sergey uh, Karktanov in 16 seconds, man. And I don't know if you guys watched the the his after uh, fight uh, speech or whatever uh, his interview, um, but 
looked looked awesome, dude. And he's like, you can tell he's real emotional and he worked hard for this fight. Last time we were with him, he's saying, yeah, I got something coming up. But he said he didn't know who it was, you know, and then um, he's saying that he, he was hoping he'd be able to talk about it pretty soon. Um, but, man, that's a huge, huge fight for him. So Why does that happen? So are, the, are fighters asked not to talk about certain events until they kind of put it together a little bit better? Or? I think until the contract is signed, typically. I gotcha. But he, he, he really did say, he's like, I don't know. Who I, he's like, I think I'm fighting in November, but I don't know who against yet. Because wow. they probably presented him a few few options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the hopes that um, there's one of those people will actually come to fruition. And when you had seen it, that was just a little less than two months ago too, huh? It yeah. wasn't quite two months ago, but it was close to it. Yeah. A little yeah. less than two months ago. Yeah. Right on. And Joe wasn't even, he wasn't even planning on fighting Joe Soto. So Joe Soto took the fight, I believe on a week's notice. Yeah. Let's go and and let's get into that one really quick. Cause you were describing the finish that Joe Soto had had. And you know, like we know what an excellent uh, grappler he is and his use of, the leg locks and that sort of thing. So run us through that really quick, man. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, it was, it was sick. Uh, so for those of you guys that watched the fight, um, he, they were, they were, they were trading strikes for a little bit coming forward. And then Joe Soto, uh, dropped for, um, a single, right. And the the, his head was on the outside of the hips though. So, um, if you can imagine that typically when you hit a single, uh, you can do it both ways by the way, but, his head was on the outside. A lot of times guys like to keep their head on the inside, protect from the guillotine. And then also uh, they use their head to um, put pressure on the hips, which can tip them down easier. Mm-hmm. But his head was on the outside. Um, and then the guy ended up like kind of turning uh, the corner, defended well, and was about to take – looked like he was about to take Joe Soto's back, right? Right. Joe Soto identified that and rolled to the inside uh, – like he's going to attack the knee, right? the knee bar. So rolled and then ended up figure fouring the leg going to that. We talk about the honey hole position. Uh, that's what like the Danaher term. It's been around for a long time, but that's what they just kind of named it. Um, what are you playing over there, Frankie? So honey, so honey hole is a mnemonic device that's used by the 10th planet system to basically describe if you are asking the Donaher Death Squad, it's a double inside Ashi where the outside leg, if you had somebody in 50 50, it's like it's 50 50, but you're going towards the inside and it sets you up for those amazing heel hooks that are uh, almost unstoppable once you, once you really get into that position. And that's what Joe Soto did. Cor- and, correct. And then so he crossed, he took, he, so he crossed the leg over mm-hmm. to attack on the inside heel hook and then uh, just went towards the gable and kind of rolled up towards the ceiling. So it was nice, man. It was exactly what he was showing us in his uh, in the seminar. My son was actually there, who who's not really big into MMA, but um, he came and watched it. He came and watched it with me, and he's like, He's like, man, that's exactly what he was showing you guys. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, isn't that cool? Like, we actually got to see – he was showing us this, um, and then he just showed that it works in a fight. So the first time I had ever seen these sorts of techniques, I was actually a white belt. So this was like 2000, the beginning of 2007, and then there was this guy. His name was Jerome Basilio, 
and this was when I was training over at 10th Planet, and he was like one of the first people to ever do that double inside Ashi and go for hill hooks against me, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it because um, I knew I wanted to compete, and then the rule sets for most competitions at that time uh, made doing the the hill hooks and, and reaping illegal. So I just, I dismissed it as something I didn't really need to know. But now, uh, Eddie has these awesome EBI rules and these guys, you have to know this. Like if you don't have a leg lock game, you basically can't get into EBI and you shouldn't do it because you're going to get worked. Right? Does the EBI, uh, does a new rule set, does a new rule set start this EBI where it's allowing the open palm strikes? Are they really going to do something like that? Just to open people up for submissions? Is yeah. that the whole point? Yeah. Open you know, palm do you, strikes. Do you okay. Know, do you know if that's happening this one? No, I I, I didn't know that. I th- I heard something of, to that effect, but I I didn't believe it. I thought that that was just somebody kind of trolling, saying like, "Yeah, do this," but that's really happening. My, from my understanding, it was a legit article from Eddie Bravo. Like, oh Eddie, wow! It was quoting Eddie Bravo saying that that is going to be, and he said, um, "What did he say? He said uh, something about like." Um, we're not going to be MMA because MMA is the shit or something like that. You know what I mean? MMA is like the shit. So we're not going to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but we are going to do uh, open palm strikes, open up. I, I don't like that. I, I hope that if they do do that, that that's just something that happens once and then they don't do it again because this is a grappling tournament and that's what people want to see. They don't want to see somebody getting smacked in the head. And I personally, as a grappler, don't don't appreciate that. And I think that there's plenty of ways to open up somebody to get a submission rather than striking them, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you want to go strike somebody, then go get into MMA, which is exactly what Joe Soto did. But what I think is fascinating is that he's able to use the same techniques that helped him uh, beat some really good names in EBI. He just did that same stuff Mm -hmm. in MMA and got a victory, you know? Looks like 2017 is when they're planning it. Okay. That's what I thought I read, but I, I couldn't remember if, uh, I, you know, EBI is having a, like a lot of events now, and that's probably to do something with the the fight pass. Hopefully this comes to fruition. I'm actually kind of intrigued about it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, I mean? I'm going to watch it too. <laughs> and, and then I guess after I watch the first one, because my concern is, is that it's going to escalate into real fights. Okay, the, my, that's my concern too, is when we're talking about like, there's no barometer for how hard you hit somebody. Okay. So if I'm just like slappy tappy somebody's face, right. And just annoying them. Or if I'm even with an open hand and we talked about that, I can literally knock someone out with a slap. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like how, how hard am I going to hit this person? Or, or are they going to have like, whoa, whoa, you did a hand slap, bro. But that was just, that was too hard, bro. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you qualify what what is acceptable and unacceptable? Don't you think it's the same rule sets with jujitsu? I mean, I can choke people harder than people or cross choke. cross facing. You know what I mean? Totally, but that's what I'm saying. Like we're talking about a grappling event, and like I I don't agree with it. Hopefully, this is something that's not going to happen. Or if it happens, <laughs> it happens. I'm pretty like sure once. it's going to happen. Dude. It's, that's the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It will. I mean. I don't know. We'll we'll see. It, it's definitely we'll interesting see. to to me. I did want to jump back to Bellator. Uh, there was uh, some pretty big uh, news. Uh, Phil Davis uh, defeated Liam McGrary. Um, dom- it was an absolute domination. Um, Phil Davis just was easily able to take him down past his guard. Threatened with submissions, but just enough to not get stood up. He really wasn't. It didn't look like he was trying to finish. Because um, 
I think he would, he really just was so focused on, on winning the belt. Um, but it wasn't boring though. Cause he was just like fucking, fucking him up the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, it was super cool. Um, so congratulations to Phil Davis who went out on a limb, right? And left the UFC to go to Bellator. He could have lost this fight and then his stock just com- completely decreased. I don't know. I think, uh, Dan Henderson was kind of the first guy to to do that to the UFC. He left the UFC, went and fought for Strike Force, and then beat Fedor, and then came back, and you know was able to get way more money. So, so and so there's a thing happening right with the UFC fighters and the attractiveness to Bellator. It's not that they're not good enough to be in UFC anymore. It's that there's a financial appeal to go to Bellator. That's right? all. Yeah, that's all it is. So, um, the financial appeal about going to Bellator is that they do not uh, limit or have exclusive rights to sponsorship deals like the UFC does. So UFC has ex- exclusive rights to Reebok, and their payouts are atrocious to the fighters, you know? Mm-hmm. There was guys that were getting um, 100000 a year that then were expected to get $2,500. I'm sorry, $1,000 per fight to go down to $2,500 a fight from your Reebok deal. I mean, from Reebok's perspective i mean it's a fucking sweet deal <laughs> yeah right? of course you know what I mean? of course anytime they they can get all this free publicity without paying anyone of course that's a great deal for them but the fighters are looking out for themselves you know the ufc is looking out for themselves and reebok is obviously looking out for reebok so opening up and having viable competition is good for the fighters that way they can go like like phil davis went left ufc he's making more money now with his endorsements and everything else. Now right. he just won the belt. So now he's going to be uh, put up on a spotlight. He can make a lot of money in Bellator now. And then when his contract is up, now he can, he's in a good spot to negotiate with the USC and right. Bellator again. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to wait to see when somebody, uh, they know that they have a high stock like the Diaz brothers. Right. And I just saw something that suggested that maybe, uh, Nick Diaz is going to fight McGregor right now. Both of these guys have, a tremendous stock and they don't need something such as the UFC to even promote this fight. Like if they wanted to, they could create their own card. Like how far away are we from something like that? You think where we have the self promotions and boxing, will that be something that happens in MMA? Do you see that happening? I, I don't know because, um, like the shoe polish on the back. Well, like you have, you have these promotions, right? Like golden boy promotions on mm-hmm. my Oscar de la Hoya, um, which is fighter owned. Um, I just don't know if because of most of the top fighters are tied up in contracts with the UFC, yeah, it would be hard for them to go out, create a promotion and get top talent that people cared about because they're in these exclusive agreements with the UFC and strike force right. or, uh, uh, UFC and Bellator. That's the challenge I would see. You know what I mean? Cause obviously mm-hmm. UFC is not just going to let people out of their contract to go fight under this uh, other promotion. You know what I mean? And I do kind of like the idea of having a league, um, because once you start getting too many promotions and then you start getting, I mean, not that every promotion has to have its own belt, but like the, the boxing has like a ton of different uh, belts, you know what I mean? And then to unify all of them, it's just, it's, it's kind of confusing and, and ridiculous. You know what I mean? I wish that the UFC was just, you know, would just pay their athletes uh, more. We've talked would, about the yeah. salary. We've talked about a lot yeah, of stuff. We, have. You know? we, so. we most definitely have. Um, that was, I mean, there was another, there were some other good fights on the Bellator card, but those are the, the two worth mentioning. Brennan Ward and Syed Awad, that was a good fight too. Um, 
I mean, they just went in there and fucking threw bombs at each other for the entire fight. So, oh, damn. and it was only about uh, ninety seconds. Yeah. So, um, on UFC Fight Night, um, let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, Lamas versus Charles Oliveira. So, Oliveira came in uh, weighed in ten pounds heavy. And then um, he was winning the first round. Almost had a, a choke. Hey, what's the penalty for that? Like, if you come in heavy and you're contracted to fight, because you're going to get paid, right? So I would think that is, like, not meeting your obligations, and maybe you lose that paycheck entirely. Uh, you lose, like, a percentage. Uh, yeah. So it varies on – so for – okay, it's it's 20%, and then but a certain percentage goes to the athletic commission, and a certain percentage goes to the fighter the 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 other fighter uh that that you're facing but it's all stipulated on the other fighter so the other fighter could say no dude i want 30 percent," or no like like he had so he made him where he had to weigh in the next day and only be 10 pounds heavier so he had to weigh in at 165 or less that day that was part of ricardo lamas's thing he's like okay i don't want to be fighting a dude that's like 180 so you need to, and he was, he was still substantially bigger, man. It, it was a bummer for Charles Oliveira for, for obviously for missing weight, but like he had two really good opportunities to finish. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Ricardo Lomas uh, showed resilience. Staggered him with a punch, didn't he too? Staggered him. Then got him to the ground, almost had a choke. Bell ended next round. Fight turned completely around. Yeah, he had um, he had the anaconda lockup, right? Mm-hmm. But then where he jumped and got to guard, right? So it's a really strong choke. And then rolled Ooh. to mount and had it locked up from mount. And then um, Ricardo got, got out of that one. And then um, and there was a scramble that ended up uh, Ricardo Lamas uh, got his back taken. And then he he got under the chin with about maybe like six or seven seconds left. No yeah. way. Got the tap, huh? No, no, he, he survived. survived. Wow. And then Ricardo Lamas comes back the next round. Right. And catches a, a clean guillotine. Oh my God. That's an exciting fight. <laughs> yeah. It was good for grappling. And the, the problem was, is that, uh, Charles Oliveira didn't really defend well on that yeah, guillotine. He, he tried to pull out of the guillotine, mm-hmm. right. Instead of like, driving forward and getting up on your toes yeah. alleviating some of the pressure because there's an arm in guillotine okay so arm in guillotine he could have um put some more pressure on his shoulder got up on his toes and, and tried to get his head further down you know what i mean because then you start just kind of burning up your your arms with the squeeze when someone goes away from you though it actually makes it easier because then they're going into your your uh, forearm here, right. the blade, so you can easily get that choke. Not easily, but easier. So, yeah. What was weird, too, was uh, the ref was trying to get his foot off the fence. Remember that? Yeah, so R- Ricardo was uh, pushing on the fence. Was it Lamas or was it? Uh, Lamas was. Yeah, Lamas was putting, uh, had some pressure on the fence to, to help with, um, I guess, getting some leverage on that. Probably leverage. Yeah. Um. Uh, there was another good fight, uh, Diego Sanchez versus Marcin Held. Uh, Marcin is like known for attacking the legs, so he's like a he's like a heel hook uh, specialist, just like um, insane leg locks. He he's actually known just for 
like putting himself in harm way just for going for the legs. He actually didn't fight that way this uh, this time, but when it would get to the ground, you kept seeing him go for the for the legs and everything. He was really winning the first round on the feet, and then um, he ended up uh, – Diego caught him a couple times, and then they would end up in transitions, and Diego Sanchez was just outworking him on the ground. And um, I think Marcin got a little tired, but good win for Diego Sanchez. He wasn't the favorite to win this fight, and he won uh, – decision in uh mexico so that was cool to see nice and then you want to talk about the main event frankie oh you picked the guy <laughs> oh, oh you're mad about that uh no 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 it was a good <laughs> good fight uh dos Anjos came out worked the legs in the first round looked really good looked like he was gonna like he had a game plan going uh second round uh ferguson just completely turned around started lining some jabs uh coming back and i think it was uh Frustrating Dos Anjos kind of went away from his game plan. Third round, was that the third round? Was the uh, that was uh, when Dos Anjos kind of came back and had a resurgence? Yeah, kind of came back. Uh, I thought he won the round. Uh, you look, Carl looked it up. It looked like uh, it was uh, it was split among the media outlets. Yeah. So this is his first fight back since he's been injured, correct? Mm-hmm. Who's injury? Not Dos Anjos. For Dos Anjos. No, he lost. Uh, he lost since he lost to Eddie Alvarez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he lost the title to Eddie. Um, so third round, pretty, still pretty close. Uh, I, I gave it to Dos Anjos. Carl gave it to Ferguson. Uh, media looked at it the same way. Uh, fourth round, looked like Ferguson started doing his jab again. Uh, kept on working it. Uh, fifth round, probably about the same. I don't know. If, what was the fifth round for the media? Uh, that, that was all. Uh, so uh, Ferguson won the f- uh, the second fourth and fifth uh exclusively the main one in question was the third round so third round which i thought dos anjos should have came out with more urgency on the fifth round it seemed like his corner should have told him that yeah i mean knowing that it's close fight and that even there's a possibility that the third could have gone either way um you know you gotta you gotta get that get the fire going so it was fun to watch though man uh tony ferguson looked like he was out there having fun and and i said this during the fight but it looked like whoever was um was moving forward and whoever was was controlling the range was winning that fight you know what i mean and it would happen it was opportunities like uh dos anjos was winning um the first round really attacking the lakes and then ended up getting a takedown and then um instead of I don't know. I feel like he let Tony Ferguson off the hook on that on that uh, position, um, even though he won the round. Um, but why? You know, he should have made him pay a little bit more. Maybe he was feeling something that Tony Ferguson was doing that made him feel uncomfortable. But I think there was going to be a clear advantage in the, in that area. Um, butterfly guards, right? And he kind of backed away from it. He did a butterfly guard, and then he went for like a really slow, like go go plata attempt. It looked like that was not close at all. And that's yeah. that's kind of when um, uh, he, he backed out. Uh, Dos Anjos, but then at that point, like he also could have passed very easily, you know, got to a dominant position. So, because uh, it's not like he had control of anything. It was like a real, he had like wrist control. He's trying to do go go plato with like wrist control as like he was postured up. It just wasn't very effective. He didn't have the overhook and pulling it down and getting the head control that you really need. Um, but it was fun to watch, though. Um, I picked Tony Ferguson. I'm happy. This is like its ninth win in a row. He's obviously going to be fighting for the title. Damn, nine yeah. wins in a row at dude. lightweight. 
That is a hell of a winning streak. Yeah. So he, and you know, he's, he just fought. So he's ranked number three. He fought the rank. Why is it taking him so many fights to get there? Jeez. We were talking about this, like all the rematches that they were giving in the lightweight division is just, it was, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, but even still to be ranked number three, as many times as you've won, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, nine fights to win is a lot, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy, and he even said, he's like, I'm not going to call like call anyone out for the title. He's like, I'm just going to let my actions speak for my words, and we'll see what happens. Wow, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Dos Anjos did say that uh, there was a, there was an uh, area where there was an eye poke, um, could have affected both eyes, um, and he said that that did impact his ability. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't see that as a deciding factor. I think Dos Anjos... Um, Anytime anyone would get rocked, which is normal, right? They immediately start backing up, but then they would never really recover or recoup from that point. Like they would end up being the defensive for the rest of that round because it's happened two times. So it happened in the round one and then round three, Dos Anjos rocked uh, Tony Ferguson towards the end of the round. And then Tony Ferguson was backpedaling going into the third round too. So transitioning into the third round, I'm sorry, the fourth round, um, Tony Ferguson was still backing up, and then he caught uh, Dos Anjos, and then it, it kind of t- changed the tide again. So it was like always when they would get caught, it would change that tide a little bit, and then they would start controlling the range and controlling the distance. So very fun, though. Fun card. Um, I don't think anyone could can complain about that fight card. There was it was The whole thing was super exciting. So, hey, let's talk about this beer. Yeah. Um, I brought – it's called Choco Alate Chocolate Porter. Um, from Evans Brewing Company. I'd never heard of it, so um, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I, there, it's it's brewed in Irvine, California. Um, I just saw it, and I was like, you know what? It's porter season. Uh, let me get something for uh, this cold weather. Coming in at 6.8%. Um, it's a pretty easy drinker. Lacking, in my opinion, on the body. So it felt a little too thin, the porter. Um, but it was definitely a good it was a good beer. Mm. That's my, uh, it's just a little, a uh, little, uh, too, too thin for me. So I, like, I liked it. It was kind of smooth. It wasn't too, too overpowering. No, it, it was definitely smooth and definitely, um, definitely had a good flavor. I just like it. Uh, I like my porters a little thicker. You know what? I, I liked it. Um, I always think of uh, the darker beers as something that I'm not really that big of a fan of. I don't know if it's the weather because it's fall and it's getting a little colder, but I'm like, yeah, let's drink some of those. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had a, a really good one too. The other day I was over at lengthwise and they have this one. It's kind of seasonal. It's barrel aged uh, stout. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll bring that on the next time that we, we do a show, but talk about that second one too. Yeah, this is a, uh, so I got a, another, it's a, it's a brown ale. Um, but it's a modern time special release called sleepless city. So you've probably heard us talk about modern times a few times on the show. Um, I think I've only had one, um, beer that we didn't like from there. It was called Hulu Mulu. I was trying to think of the name. I couldn't remember it. Hulu Mulu. And so I think that they're suspect because that was the first time I actually had a modern times beer. And so like, I don't even really look at them when I go into <laughs> any sort of liquor store. I'm like modern times. No, find something else. Yeah. It's funny. Cause that's Sorry, modern times. That's the only one. And I actually was talking about this in imbibe uh, to a guy that I'd never met before. We were there tasting a sour from, mm-hmm. um, from Dionysus. And I, I was drinking it, and he's like, modern times, though, right? He's like, everything they make is good. And I was like, I've only had one beer that I didn't. And he's like, Hulu Mulu. 
He like said it. He knew. He, <laughs> he knew. knew what I was talking about. He's like, that's their one mulligan, dude. Cool a, name, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And he was like, he was like, yeah, man, that that uh, didn't go well with a lot of people. He's like, but have you had their Fruitlands, which I've had. I love it. Um, I'll try that. I've had. Uh, they have the um, Black House, which is really good. Is that uh, the one I bought last night? I forgot which one I bought last night. So if you go over to Carl's, try, you, try that one. You brought Blazing World. Oh, that's right. Blazing World is amazing. Just out of curiosity, which Dionysus Sour did you try? It was the peach. So it wasn't the Super Funkadelic. I've had that, though. Yeah. Um, but So they it was a special release where they only did like a few kegs of it, and they took one to Imbibe. And I, I literally had like the third or fourth glass of it. I love that brewery. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh I remember Frank saying that he's going to pick up growlers or something at some point. He did. We did. Right they're right there. Yeah, he didn't make it that time I got him. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? All right, whatever. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. Not for one second. Um, what else? Let me get into 205. Man, so I was like, I was looking at UFC 205 the other day. I was like, okay, what what fights are we going to go over? And you look at, so he, this is the prelim fight card on Fight Pass. Is who's headlining that? Tiago Alves versus Jim Miller. Can you believe that? Can you believe Tiago Alves is going to be fighting at 155? <laughs> He's so small for 155, man. I mean, so big. Um, but yeah, so you got all of these fights, man. I mean, on the prelims, you got uh, Khabib versus Michael Johnson. You got Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy. You got um, Frankie Edgar versus Jeremy Stevens. Uh, the, they literally made the pay-per-view card one, two, three, four, five. They made it six fights for the pay-per-view card. That's pretty unheard of. Usually it's five fights. Um, so let's just go over. Um, let's just go over. I want, I want to go over uh, Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy. Um, obviously Michael Johnson versus Khabib. Um We'll go. We'll go from. Uh, we'll go from Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy up. So it's going to be uh, a lot of analysis here. But do you want to get into the question, question of the week? The hard question. I read it already. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, I sent you the picture of the EBI bracket too. You. Yeah, I, I dude, looked this at is that good. It's really good. This is modern times, bro. No, I know that, but we didn't really. Go over that too much. It's an excellent beer, yeah. Yeah, the Sleepless City, sorry. It's a brown ale with coffee, cocoa nibs, vanilla beans. Um, and then what? what is the alcohol? It's 5.7, so it's a lighter. So Hulu Mulu ruined our... Didn't ruin mine. I, I, mean, I, I like this beer, and they really kind of nailed that coffee flavor to it as well. Yeah, especially for something. It's, it's light. The body's super light on this, but it's not a stout. So I kind of expect that, but really good. All right, let's hear this fucking shit. Antoine, right. you asshole. Did you guys see Antoine? Uh, I guess Enrique asked him if he had hair gel. And I was like, Antoine only has soul glow. It's <laughs> <laughs> not your soul. <laughs> All right, ready? There are seven undefeated fighters currently on the UFC roster. Six of them have more than 10 wins. Mickey Gall is 3-0. and Name four of the remaining six. Undefeated fighters. Um, I already knew this, by the way, but 
it is on my phone right now. It's on my screen because Khabib is fighting. So Nagurmagadov is one of them. So now you got to name five since you cheated. No, no, negative. <laughs> I already knew. I was already thinking. I'm like Khabib. Um, so the remaining undefeated fighters, um, Cody Gar- Garbrandt. Yep. He's on there. You want his record? I think he's 11 and 0. 10 and 0. Well, you put 10 and 0. You could be right. Um, okay. I just said Antoine might be wrong. <laughs> I know, right? He like, so we have, uh, so how many do I have to, I have to get two more? Two more out of the six. Okay. Um, damn. That is a pretty good question. Um, Told you it was hard. Yeah, it's just because there's like a lot of um, there's like new guys, you know what I mean. So, because um, even even John Jones lost by uh, to Matt Hamill. Um, let me see. Why don't you guys keep talking? And I'm gonna keep thinking about it. So it's, I was just waiting for this to happen. You going um was kind of like the Jeopardy song for me. <laughs> At some point, like the time has just got to run out, Carl, and you don't get it. No, know? negative, negative. Um, so there's some stuff going on also in the world of jujitsu. So there's going to be the EBI nine, and it's going to be the heavyweight championship, and that's happening this evening. Uh, lots of good grapplers. Uh, I know that. Gordon Ryan, who everybody has been enjoying uh, watching his grappling, he got injured, and so Gary Tonnen is going to be filling in for him. But then we have some other people that are going to be in there. One person that I'm a big fan of, I like watching a lot, is Elliot Kelly. So I'm going to be kind of like, actually not secretly, because I'm telling you guys now, I'm I'm rooting for that guy. (laughs) Secretly. I hope he wins. Who who else uh, is in that? So I know that uh, Vinny Magalesh. He's the, he's got to be the favorite. Yeah, he's well. Of course, he's a favorite for sure because he's an ADCC winner, champion. Yeah, and Ultra. then so and, and I always like their their setup to where they've got eight guys on oh, the left, I got, I got eight one. guys on the right, sort of thing. Um, damn, what's his last name? Give me the first name. Oh, man. Lots of good grapplers, some that I know, some that I don't know. And then also what's happening too right now is the Nogi Worlds, which those uh, black belt championships will be happening later today. So as soon as we leave this, that's where I'm headed. I'm going to be watching those matches. And then uh, I always like seeing some of the things that they put on Flow Grappling. They have one of them, uh, the people that I enjoy watching. His name's Marcio Andre. I've talked about him before. Beat somebody 48 nothing, Ooh. Like a Hickson Cup uh, exhibition or something. You know, he just, How do you beat someone 48 nothing? Um, Man, I don't know. It would be really tough. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be the Mendez brothers or Marcio Andre. Um, the guy, he trains with Henner and uh, Hiron. Um his name is, I think, Michael something. Uh, Ortega. Or- Ortega. Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega. He's on. He's on there, right? Brian Ortega's on there. Okay, so I have one more to go. Sorry, I'm. I'm still doing this number over here. Okay, Brian Ortega though is, is undefeated. Is undefeated. Yes. You know what? He's he, eleven and 0. that kid is. At, he's fun to watch, even though he says some real corny shit at he's the end of his fights. He's a good fighter, dude. He's fun to he's watch. He's got yeah. good jujitsu. Damn, one more. Fuck. 
ah, man. I was like thinking, I was like, Brian Ortega, he's undefeated. One thing that I just... This is a collaborative effort, by the way, now, at this point. Okay, well, I don't know who those guys are, so you're going to have to do this solo. But I'm rooting for you, Carl. I hope you get it. Okay. I have one more. Dude. You have one more, dude. You're going to nail it. You, uh, want, you want like a little hint? So there's this viral video uh, circulating the internet about this guy, and he's got a purple belt, and he's got like these samurai yeah. swords, and he's yeah. sitting all crazy like martial arts style and he goes through this dialogue or not even dialogue he's not talking to anybody so he goes through this monologue where he starts talking <laughs> about how he no longer uh, needs the validation from of, another person from another person and anybody that does that he almost kind of like shames them and accuses them of idolatry and at the end of that speech that he gives he takes his own belt off and he puts uh, the higher ranking belt a brown belt on his waist yeah so he goes from purple to brown and then it just like it pissed everybody off in the jiu-jitsu world uh my take on it is i kind of thought it was entertaining because <laughs> 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 i was like nobody knows who this guy is and now everybody does just because what he did was sacrilegious i kind of understood why he was doing it it's just in the world of jiu-jitsu that's like heavily frowned upon because people were always trying to find um you know, real instruction, and and that's a, a big thing that people don't want is they don't want the art watered down, and that's just um, another example of that potentially happening where you're just going to have people putting belts around their waist and saying that that's okay. You know? Yeah. All right, Frank, I give up. Um, it, it, there's one heavyweight, though. I just can't think of his name. There, there's one of them. I was going to give you a clue. Like, there's two girls. Oh, Joanna. Yep. Oh, Fuck. 12 and 0. How did I forget Joanna? So, uh, the, uh, the other ones are female as well? Uh, Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's fighting her. She, they're fighting. They're oh, fighting, they're fighting each other? Yeah. Oh, I was trying to like, decipher her and see if they're. Kalawaki Vitz. Kalawaki Vitz. That sounds dead on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, good, good question, Antoine. Thanks, uh, Ian, for helping me out there. Um, I was there with you in spirit. <laughs> you gave me Brian Ortega. You helped me out there. I, I guess I did help you out That's there. what I'm saying. It was collaborative. Okay. It truly was collaborative. I wasn't not being facetious. Well, no, you asked. You said who is, you already knew who the guy was. You just didn't know his name. You know? So which ones did we didn't say? Mursad? Bektik? Tenno? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that guy. I'm, I, I think I've, I'm sure I've seen him fight, but I'm not familiar with who he is. Let's talk about, okay, Rashad Evans versus Tim Kennedy. That's a very interesting fight to me. Um, Tim yeah. Kennedy hasn't fought in a while now. Um, but neither has Rashad, right? Well, Rashad has fought. Um, I believe this is his second fight at middleweight, though. So he's moving down to middleweight, which is a, a better weight class for him, in my opinion. Um, Rashad, though, I mean, for those of you guys who don't remember, I think he was in UFC like two, I think, UFC two or three, right? Because remember, he beat Brad Imes. He's a dude that beat Brad Imes to get in the UFC uh, to to win the contract, or actually, I think that was to get on the finale. Uh, he beat Brad Imes, just that big ass dude. It would have to be two, right? Huh? Had when that, they had to do the stupid uh, those tests, whatever, to get. Yeah, they still had to do like <laughs> the challenges. Yeah, the challenges. The the team challenges. God, that was weird. That was when the if you think the Ultimate Fighter is like super on point and cool go look at ufc the ultimate fire one and two three <laughs> yeah three is with joe uh stevens right or no uh number one is with joe stevens is it when he had to go uh that do those scarecrows oh yeah that's crazy yeah 
Um, uh, Rich Franklin told him his guy not to do it to save energy. Yeah. Was that UFC one? I think it was one. Joe Stevenson had to be on UFC one. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter one. Yeah, I believe it was. But yeah, that was uh that was ridiculous, dude. Um, so what do you guys think though, Rashad Evans, Tim Kennedy? I think this is a tough fight for uh, Rashad. That's Tim Kennedy has say. tough uh, takedown defense. The where Rashad wins is with his speed. You know what I mean? And in MMA, speed does kill. But Tim Kennedy's. Uh, He's tough. I don't see Rashad being able to knock him out, though, man. This is a tough fight. All right, so if you were Tim Kennedy, what would you do against Rashad? If I was Tim Kennedy, what would I do against Rashad? This Evans? is always my favorite question. Like, how, <laughs> how would you make a game plan? You know, Tim, Tim Kennedy has a – I would make it a dog fight. I would take – the fence. I would take technique out of it. I would um, – I wouldn't let Rashad use his footwork and angles. So yeah, I would I would cut off uh the fence and pressure. He kind of fights this way anyway. Um that's what I was going to say why it's going to be so tough cuz he's going to put some pressure on him. But if Rashad can control the range and distance, he could easily win a decision because I don't think Tim Kennedy's going to be able to connect a lot. To so be honest. what if what Rashad's able to take him down though, and then you know get some ground and pound off? off. This is not imp- impossible. If you guys remember, what did Rashad do to Phil Davis? You know what I'm saying? He took him down, put him on his. Or was that the other way around? <laughs> yeah, it was Rashad taking uh, Phil Davis down and and dominating that way. So it's not like unrealistic that. Rashad is not going to be able to take him down. Rashad, he probably can take him down. It's just Tim Kennedy does have good defense, and he's like... So where he takes him down in the octagon might have an impact on how effective he's going to be. Yeah, and, and Rashad is getting older, you know, and how much how much energy does he want to waste? Isn't that weird watching some of these fighters get older, and, and they're just, like, hitting it, dude, you know, where it's like, dang, man, like, you are clearly... It's like you lost a step or something, yeah. you know? You just don't have what you had. Rashad had... Not only, not only like was he, when he was a champion, he had a different level of confidence in mm-hmm. his abilities. You know what I mean? He did not doubt himself after he fought John Jones. He, you saw there was a clear, it clearly like rocked his psyche. You know what I mean? Um, his his speed was what everyone that was always like what gave him that advantage. His speed, his movement, and his ability to out wrestle most people. Um, the problem was, is that he abandoned wrestling really, and would only use it when he's in trouble. And if it, even if you're using your best thing when you're in trouble, it's like fuck. At this point, it might be too late. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just it's weird how that it just happened so abruptly. Where <laughs> seems like, like it. Remember Chuck Liddell? Right. Chuck Liddell or and then Rashad knocked him out. I mean, uh, Rampage knocked him out. And it was or just like Emilianenko, you yeah. know, like where he went from being amazing to where it's just like, dude, like. Speaking of Fader, Fader's Stop about to fight. Him. Fader's about to fight. Um, who's he about to fight? He's about to fight in Bellator. Um, he's going to fight, I believe, Matt Mitrione. Oh, really? Yeah. Antoine, c- correct me if I'm wrong, but Fedor is about to fight in Bellator, and I believe it is against Matt Mitrione, um, which will be interesting, right? I think Fedor actually wins that fight, but we'll see. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we'll We'll see how that goes. Michael Johnson versus Khabib Nurma Nurma Gamadav Nurma Gamadav Nurma Gamadav. Yeah, I mean, do you go against Khabib? I can't think. You, I don't think you can. His wrestling's just too strong. 
Yeah, I was going to say could be, but man, if Johnson's able to pull this out, I'm a Johnson fan. I'm, I can't. I like Michael Johnson as well. I just don't think his, um, you know, I, I don't know uh, if his if his footwork, like he's very flat-footed when he fights, um, and he, he's not super fast. Um, he'll probably be a little faster than Khabib, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to stop Khabib's takedowns. That's my opinion. He can keep good distance, but, yeah, I don't think, I don't see it helping him. Yeah. I mean, he could get that punch, though, like when he knocked out um, um, the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What's his name? My, my favorite guy. Oh, uh, Poirier. Yeah, Dustin Poirier. There you go. Poirier. But really, you know, Dustin, Dustin has kind of a weak chin. So. I mean, that was a clean-ass punch. But, yeah, he gets he gets rocked and gets knocked out. I mean, he, the same thing kind of happened against But, man, uh, he's a brawler, man. I'm still a Poirier fan. Yeah, I mean, that's just like a pick em fight. Um, Frankie Edgar versus uh, Jeremy Stevens. This is one uh, I think we should all have input on, Ian. Frankie, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Frankie Edgar versus Jeremy Stevens. I'm always going to go for Frankie Edgar, dude. Like, Edgar's... For sure. There's no way Jeremy Stevens wins this fight. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's no way that Jeremy Stevens wins this fight. I'll take a bet of anything. Um, if anyone wants to bet me out there that Jeremy Stevens has no shot of winning that fight. I just see Jeremy Stevens and just try and chase him down, and it's not going to work in his advantage. Frankie Edgar is too fast. He can he mixes it up too well, and he can take the power from uh, lightweights. He was a lightweight, you know, and never got knocked out of lightweight or anything. So. I just, man, I wish he would just go down a weight class. He's at one forty five right now. Oh, he did do it. Yeah, he did that a while ago. Man, we, maybe we Aldo. it'd just be nice to see him. Like, I mean, he hangs really well with those guys that are bigger than he is. But if he was really matched up with somebody that his that was his size, it'd be kind of fun to see how devastating he might be able to actually be yeah yeah now he i mean he's great dude i mean he went five rounds with aldo uh not too long ago um but uh, raquel pennington versus misha tate hmm. i'm kind of curious if like tate just wanted that belt and now she just doesn't really have the heart anymore i think misha tate wins this fight easy i think, I think so. raquel pennington she has power um but she's um She's got power and heart, but I mean, Misha's technically better everywhere. I don't see anywhere where I give an advantage to Raquel. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Tate. She just just experience alone will get her through this to win it. She gets I'm curious how she goes in there. Though. I mean, the only, I think the only sub Raquel Pennington's got is like a bulldog choke. Now it's just poor. That was poor technique on uh, Ashley Evan Smith. Really, that's interesting that you say that. So you think that she just really trained super hard, and you know she had a camp like no other, and she may never mimic that again. Just like went for the belt, got the belt, and now she's just kind of. Just did she didn't look right in her last fight when she lost it. Milly Vanilli did, huh? That's what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I don't think so, man. I, she's been at the top of the game for so long. Like you can't. That's why I said I'm just curious how she is going to come into this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see how a, how a champion always rebounds. You know what I mean? So, I think this is a good fight for her to get her confidence back. And uh, what I don't want to see well, here's what I don't want to see happen. I don't want to see Ronda win, and then Misha win, and then see them fight again. I really have no interest in seeing them fight. I again. don't either, dude. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing. Um, Ronda versus uh, someone uh, someone else coming up in the 135-pound division. I really have no interest in seeing her fight Holly Holm again. She lost no. two in a row. You know, That's a person that I think had everything going, lost, 
and it really impacted her, you know, for what I mean? sure. So, um, we'll see how that goes though. Yeah. And I don't like, and I think that if Rhonda fought Tate again, it would just be a replay of what it's been in the past where like, it doesn't go very far and then the fight ends and then everybody thinks that Rhonda is better than like everyone else by far. And I mean, that might be true, but I mean, there's a possibility that it's not. And she's just in Misha Tate's head too. Mm -hmm. Here's a, here's a fans fight. We really had those type of fighters though. Remember, uh, uh, God damn, Evans, the Rich Franklin, Frank, Frank, Rich Franklin used to beat the crap out of him. Back in the day. Evan, Evan Tanner, T- Evan Tanner, yeah. Remember, but he was really good. He'd like beat a lot of people, like top level guys at that time. And but every time he fought Rich Franklin, stepping with this guy, just like your older brother, yeah, beat basically. you up. Evan Tanner, man, tragic story. If you don't, if you guys don't know about Evan Tanner, um, Google it. Good uh, jiu-jitsu, really good jiu-jitsu. All he self-taught, he he taught himself jiu-jitsu by watching videos, <laughs> and wow, and then became the middleweight champion. That's awesome. Um, there's a video, uh, there's a documentary out. I think it's called "Once I Was a Champion" or something like that. Mm. Um, Evan, the story of Evan Tanner documentary. It's it's not that great of a documentary, to be honest. Like you go watch his, read his blogs. He talks about some pretty deep shit. So. You know what though? I don't like the term self-taught. Like self-taught is like you didn't use any resources. Like you have to, you can learn independently of a coach, but you need some quality resources. Well, know? what what I mean is like he didn't he didn't um he didn't have classroom instruction, right? You know what I mean. So he had resources, but he, it was all through like really like trial and error. A lot of times you didn't even have training partners, so wow. he was just like drilling stuff. I do think in this day and age, though, with what is on the internet, you could get really, you could get pretty damn good. This is before, before YouTube. This is before, yeah, this is a long time ago. It's like literally oh, like wow. VHS videos and I'm then, talking about. And they're marking up the prices of those VHS tapes, too, where you're getting like to learn an Americana. They're like, you need to pay $100 for this, <laughs> yeah, for this VHS. Exactly. And it's got a line going through the middle the whole time it's playing. It's like tracking. Remember tracking? <laughs> yeah, dude. Who remembers, who remembers tracking out there? If you don't remember tracking, you're too young. Or you bought that, that <laughs> other. Really pushing the button just to make sure it was like. Ah. That other device that would rewind your tape in yeah. like seconds. Then rip know? it every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, at the end. Like, shit. <laughs> Uh, here's a good fight. Donald Cerrone versus Kelvin Gastelum. This is uh, not as easy as it sounds to pick. Um, I'm going to let you guys make your picks first, and then I'll I'll make my pick. Yeah, throw it out there. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of hard. Nah, you know what? I'm just going to go with Cerrone for right now. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't really lost at that division, right? Uh, he's only fought a couple times at 170. Who's Cerrone fighting again? Kelvin Gastelum. I, dude, you know what? You're and not familiar with him? and I'll, I'll. I, I'm not, but here's the thing. I'm going to go with that guy anyway, just because, <laughs> like, no. No for Cerrone. So he just beat um, uh, he just beat Johnny Hendricks. Um, he lost his really close split decision to Neil Magny, and he lost Tyrone Woodley. That's the only people he's lost to. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam, he beat Nate Marquardt, beat Jake Ellenberger, beat Rick Story beat uh, Uriah Hall to win the Ultimate Fighter at 185. Um, I'm picking Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, uh, dude, you know what? I, I still, I'm going back to uh, Cormier where, you know, he kind of insulted him, and I thought that that was, um, I didn't like that. So I'm going I'm going against Cerrone. 
I like Dom Cerrone, by the way. Um, this is just a fight to watch, but and I'm not. I'm actually not a fan of Kelvin Gastelum, by the way, either. I actually prefer to see Dom Cerrone fight, but I believe uh, Kelvin Gastelum has the tools to make it a hard fight for uh, Dom Cerrone. Plus, he got heavy ass hands, so we'll see what happens. I see Cerrone staying, keeping distance, and out jabbing for a while. Donald Cerrone does not follow game plans. You know what I mean? That's and true. as soon as he gets hit, he's like, come on, let's do this. You know what I mean? And that's this is not the guy to do that against. Maybe you learned it. If you do that against this guy. <laughs> if you do that again, you're likely going to get knocked out. Awesome. And And he can, he's a very, very good wrestler, too. And he's like, he's built like a, he's like a short, he's like a, um, a fucking, um, He's just like a short Tim Boach, just like that solid motherfucker. Just a, a heavy, yeah. short, stocky Sto- guy. Yeah, that's got that can take Has hard no ass neck. punches. It's going to be tough to choke him. I've never even seen him get rocked. Really, wow. never seen him get rocked. And he just fucking hits hard, and he does not stop. His gas tank is like impeccable. Wow, awesome. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun fight. Um, Yoel Romero versus Yoel Chris Weidman. This is and we're still three fights from them from the main event, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? This could easily be headlining uh, any pay per view. Chris Weidman versus Yoel. That's Romero. such a tough one to pick, dude. I know who I'm picking. I'm gonna let you guys go first again. Uh, this man. one I'll probably just go with Romero. I think I'm gonna go with Romero too, just because of the fact that like, what if? You know, what if Weidman kind of revisits like an old injury or something like that? You know, I think Yoel Romero is going to win, and I, I think too. I think he's just he's um he's probably the most athletic guy that Chris Weidman will fight against. Yes, and Chris Weidman has really good grappling, by the way. But Yoel Romero is like a silver medalist. You know what I mean, wrestler. So I just don't see him being able to stop. Yeah. He's like Ricardo Arona, dude, and I don't want to give him that much credit. But <laughs> well, his his submission game is obviously not Ricardo Arona, but like his grappling prowess is very good, dude. Just the physicality and how yeah. explosive he could be, you know. And I think that's going to cause problems for Weidman. And I mean, but I mean, Weidman could knock him out or something too, though. I don't that's- see I don't see Chris Weidman knocking him out, and I don't see Chris Weidman is slow. He is a slow striker, you know what I mean? And Yoel. He keeps his hands down, like, and kind of dances into stuff, and he's really awkward. And I don't think stylistically that's going to match up well for Chris Weidman. But I could be wrong. Uh, Tim Kennedy is the only guy I've seen rock uh, Yoel. See, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and wasn't it kind of a brain fart sort of thing too that he, like allowed Romero to kind of take the punishment that he did in that particular fight? Yes, it was. Well, it was like a clean punch, but. Uh, so the, the possibility there, I'm with you, though. I think that it, it, it's more than likely going to be Romero that wins that fight. Yeah. I, I'd love to hear what people think because people I are probably too. like, I, fuck I you, too. Chris Weidman, who's the American. And I love I, I love Chris Weidman, by the way. I, I think he's a class act. Uh, you don't see a lot of guys like with his uh, personality that's just very straightforward and such a tough dude. But I, I think this is a really hard fight. Is that a big deal for you, like picking a fight, like liking the, someone? Yeah. No, but I'm talking about like the nationality. The, does it? Do you oh, really I don't care. care. No, I don't where care about they the, come from. I don't I, care about the nationality. I don't but, really either. But I, I like, I like if they're a good person, though. Yeah, I do too. You me know too. what I mean? Totally. Like I don't like to see dickheads win. Me neither. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, or at least even their persona of being a dickhead. If their persona is being a dickhead, I don't want to see you win. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanna 
Jurizistic. Jurizistic. Versus Carolina Kalkovich. I'm going to not say anything about those fights. I don't I'm a failure with either of those. Yeah, I got I got Joanna. Yeah, I was just going to say Joanna. Um, Carolina is good, though. She's tough, man. Um, but I, I just think uh, Joanna has range on her. Um, and and it's, it's going to be a good, interesting fight. But I got I got Joanna. Um, I'm getting we're too closer now. Tyrone Woodley versus Steven Thompson. This is for the welterweight title. So this is a hard fight. And we were actually just talking about this yesterday. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and give my pick. I, I'm picking just based off of range and distance. I'm picking Steven Thompson. But I will a caveat is saying that Tyrone Woodley can win in the first two rounds. After this, After two rounds, it becomes difficult for Tyrone Woodley to win. Yeah. That's what I, I said too. Who you got, Ian? Tyrone Woodley. I think if he comes out and he's explosive, I mean, and takes advantage in the first two rounds, like you're suggesting, yeah, that that's something that he could really be devastating. If he goes past that, though, I think that he might just blow his wad, and that's when, and and for for Thompson, that's kind of what he needs to do. He needs to weather that first two rounds. And if he can get past that, then the fight is going to be up for grabs. I would love to see Tyrone come out and really test Stephen Thompson's ability to to deal with calculated um, takedowns where where you're not just uh, shooting in for a takedown but you're mixing it up with with a combination getting him to react getting him against a cage that limits his movement and then I would like to see how he does against that but I don't think Tyrone Willis is going to be able to do that so for those reasons, I got to pick Stephen Thompson. And we made it. We made it all the way to the main event. Um, Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. Damn. Dang. Dang. <laughs> uh, dude, McGregor. What? I, I The one thing that I see about this guy, and even though he is very, very cocky, I think that he is meticulous to his approach, especially in his development as a fighter. And I think that he's he's the guy that is not going to waste a day. He's going to get better every time, and he's going to be a completely different fighter, just like he was when he went against Diaz the second time. And it's going to be a really tough fight for Eddie Alvarez. I'm not saying that he's a slouch in any way. I just don't think right now he's going to be able to beat McGregor. McGregor looks bigger. He's addressing his grappling. Eddie Alvarez is bigger. He's a bigger No, fan. no, I'm saying that he looks bigger. Not saying that he's bigger than Alvarez. I'm just saying that he looks like he's going to be a better fighter, oh, okay, you know? Okay. And not better fighter than Alvarez. I'm talking about a better Conor McGregor than we've seen before. And I just I'm curious to see how much better. And I really think it's going to be surprising this time. Same height, Conor McGregor has a 5-inch reach. Yeah, uh Alvarez is just like a bigger, stronger guy mm-hmm. than um, than Connor's going to be, and um, Eddie Alvarez never been knocked out, by the way. And you, I mean, I'm going to take it. Damn. So he's fought. He's fought at 170. Nick the Goat Thompson. Um, you're talking Kawajiri, Tatsuhara, Kawajiri, Shinya Aoki. Um, he's fought um, Josh Near, Roger Huerta. Pat Curran, Michael Good. Chandler twice. Great names there. Um, Donald Cerrone, Gilbert Melendez, uh, Anthony Pettis, Rafael Dos Anjos recently knocked out Rafael Dos Anjos in the second round, right? Or first round? He first got round. a lot of experience for sure. So 
the one thing that 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 Connor is not good at is defending takedowns, right? And I mean, Chad Mendes took him down fairly easily as a 145er. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is way bigger than uh, Chad Mendes, and Eddie Alvarez has clean takedowns. He has extremely good boxing and good takedowns. So I believe so. If if you watch Anthony Pettis, right, who you could arguably say is one of the top uh, 10 strikers in the UFC overall out of any weight class, right? How did Anthony Pettis lose that fight? Eddie Alvarez fucking took him and put him on his ass and held him down. You know what I mean? So Which Connor Pettis has pretty good takedowns too. Take down, uh, takedowns and takedown defense. That's like, that's my basing it off of common opponents who have unorthodox striking, mm-hmm. um, who are bigger guys or just as big. Right. I just don't see how uh, Eddie Alvarez loses this fight. He's never been ro- like he's been rocked with Michael Chandler, but they were literally like just fucking lobbing grenades at each other's faces. You know what I mean? But I appreciate your uh, your analysis and saying that Connor's going to get better. I just don't see how he wins this fight. Um, but I'd love to like I'd love to hear Antoine's analysis of this fight as well. So I got Eddie Alvarez six take six takedowns against uh, Anthony Pettis. Yeah crazy and it's gonna be a fun (laughs) well everyone's gonna be going nuts it's in it's in madison square garden right close so eddie alvarez from philadelphia um you're gonna be seeing all these philly fans you're gonna be seeing um connor's gonna have his entourage of uh diehards you know what i mean because not only do you have i'm sure folks are gonna be coming from boston Boston area, right? A lot of Irish folks in Boston coming to support McGregor as well. So I'm excited about the fight. Um, I just, I, I've, I've ran it through my head a lot of times. I don't see how, I don't see how uh, Connor wins. I don't see him getting knocked out. I don't see Eddie Alvarez getting knocked out. Here's what I do see though, is I want to know how much better McGregor's jujitsu has gotten. And he has now spent probably a little over a year with Dylan Dennis and he's been a part of his squad sort of thing in lieu of him training with Marcelo Garcia. So I'm curious to see if Eddie Alvarez's takedowns are as effective as we're thinking that they're going to be. When they get to the ground, what is that going to look like, though? And that's where I'm thinking that uh, this fight could be a little bit different for McGregor. What about you, Frankie? CM Punk trying for two years, right? (laughs) Yeah, true enough. True that. Wow, you just went like the complete other direction as if that fool was even relevant. I mean, we are talking about Conor McGregor. You can't like sleep on McGregor, dude. You know? I mean, he easily got like take like Chad took him down easily and he had you could it was apparent that he had no he had really no guard, you know what I mean? Um I don't even think he tried an attack from his guard and then no, yeah, when he went against Diaz, I mean fair he got rocked though too, dude. Diaz he shot for a sloppy single and then got choked. Yeah. I mean, Nate, like, he had both legs in front of him in a guillotine position and still ended up, like, on top. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And took the back. It was nuts. So, I don't know. I, I, think, I, think his, I think he's light years behind, especially just pure grappling. Eddie Alvarez has got submitted by – he was uh, submitted the first time uh, they fought, he fought against Shinya Aoki. Yeah. Conor McGregor is not Shinya Aoki. Man, I want to see this fight. Like, <laughs> God, I want to see this. It's fight. next Saturday. It's next Saturday, folks. Um, 
I can't outweigh. Um, I'm super excited, man. Uh, there, I mean, there's like, there's a good fights this weekend, great fights coming up next weekend. Um, I haven't been training this week. I'm some kind of like bummed out about that. I didn't train at all last week, but you look thinner. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, yeah, I've been, I still have been, you know, keeping up with everything. So, um, I feel good. I feel strong when I'm training, you know. I feel good and feel strong. Uh, Our man Carl Brewer is hitting up in ketosis right now. Man. Not right now, yeah. I fucking ate a bunch of Mexican food yesterday. How dare you? <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? You missed what was on his plate yesterday. Yeah. Still, though, uh, I've been I don't, I've been good, though, I, I will say. I, good. I've been good. Um, and the good thing about keto is, like, you 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 have like this cheat day and you fucking like just demolish a bunch of carbs and then you just get right back into it you know what i mean right. it's so easy of a mindset and it's so easy to do really um it's just like real small changes to what you're eating and it helps out a lot so cool. you said you've been training a lot how's training going Ian? man training's always good yeah i just look at it as like uh, investments, weekly investments. How much do I want to invest into my jujitsu game? And um, still on my every other day sort of deal. Those drills you were doing with Ben look pretty good. Yeah, man. Pretty good. I mean, they looked awesome. Yeah, ben, ben, ben is good, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's somebody that uh, I've been working with him a bit. Uh, we're, I'd like to see him win some, some matches, you know, with the belt that he has currently. And I think he will. I know that we're doing – our uh, our tournament here pretty quick. I mean, how long has he been in brown belt? He's been in brown belt for a minute. It's been a minute. I think he came to us when he had had his brown belt for maybe a year and a half, maybe even two years. And now he's been with us. I know for sure over a year. Well, he was hiking for like six years, doesn't he? Or something. Yeah, yeah. And Disappears. So, yeah, dude. He, he's a crazy guy, man. Yeah. Hiked half of the Appalachian Trail, did like twelve hundred miles of it, and then he just went and took off for like six weeks and traveled up and down california hiking random trails too so does that guy go guy. grow a beard because like he was gone for six months and taking pictures like crazy mm-hmm. i don't know man I don't he know. shaves he out there <laughs> can you imagine shaving out in the fucking forest but so here's my thought on like why i do for instance uh i'll skip a day is you know the class that i go to like everybody's huge over there you know and as you guys know i'm not very big right <laughs> So most of my training partners are anywhere from 50 to 100 pounds heavier than I am. And so I, I kind of need I need about a, a day break. And then I'm ready to go and I'm hungry to get on the mat. And then I'll use that day that I'm not training, at least not training as far as rolling is concerned, because I'll probably be drilling or Mentally. I'll probably yeah, be thinking about some jujitsu. Try to put about an hour a day on those types of days doing that sort of thing. So, yeah, man, jujitsu is good, dude. I like skipping the days because it seems like my muscles don't react as much. They don't. There's. They're not as quick, and it just seems like I'm a losing battle if I go like consecutively. And I'm not too worried about like, oh, I'm gonna lose fitness or I'm not gonna be sharp because, like, I eat pretty well, dude. You know, I wouldn't say I'm going into ketosis or I'm like avoiding carbs because that's not at all what I'm thinking. But my diet consists of you know, uh, meat, chicken, fish, eggs. Uh, shellfish, fruits and vegetables. I don't really eat uh, too much of the grains and sugars, and I just, man, I feel great, man. Yeah, I, I go back and forth. There's like certain times like I, I train like five or six days a week, and I mm-hmm. feel good. And there's certain times that, I mean, I'm not a really reliant on a grip game. You know what I mean? Like I do, I, I do more so um, 
as a purple belt than I did any other belt rely on my grips, but not like where it's like I become disillusioned without it, you know. But when you start playing more of those grip games, like you'll see like guys that are just like heavy spider guard. I don't see how they train all, all the time because it seems like their fingers just get wrecked. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, well, I mean, I look at like a guard is just like, especially when you're playing uh, several guards in, in any given role, you know, it just serves its purpose. You know, it's not like, hey, the only sweep that you're going to get or the only submissions you're going to come across are coming from spider guard. I think that that is like delusional to think that somebody's just focusing on one guard. You're just you're playing guards to do one of two things, submit them or sweep them and and really make sure that they're not getting uh, past your guard, too, because you don't want to get in a bad position. And when you think about it like that, you'll use all the tools that are available to you, you know. That's what I, I've been working on a lot lately, just uh, retention. So, like, going in between uh, guards. I So, right now, I'm starting out almost exclusively in the in a, the same type of guard where I'm working on, you know, where it's it's different than, uh, than the guard I was working on previously. But they kind of flow into one another, so it's, it's nice. But I'm just working on keeping my guard and not letting people blast my guard. Right. And it's funny because I think, like, the way that people get taught about the guard is kind of backwards. Like, the, I think that the pinnacle of any jiu-jitsu guard really is the submission. And that should be, like, one of the last things that you're focusing on. Like, the first thing is just how do I control the guard, then the retentions, then transitions. Then, finally, we're looking at subs. doing the sweeps. sweeps and then and last is the subs. But the first thing everybody wants to learn is the sub where it's like what are you gonna do with your sub man as soon as you put a triangle or an omoplata or an arm bar on somebody and then they just escape out of it and smash you you yeah you have no retention right and then i mean it's the same reason like like dude i would never try to triangle you you know what i mean because as soon as you stacked me right i just i gave you a pass and now i gotta deal with that because i think you're probably close to i mean maybe 150 pounds heavier than i am how much do you weigh uh, about 155 pounds. No, I'm not. I'm not 305. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're 305 though. No, I'm like, yeah, I'm about 150 pounds heavier than you. Or, I mean, 100 pounds heavier. Yeah, than about you. 100 pounds. I'm like well, 110. Well, and then see things though, like there's things that you know how to do now that you didn't before, where yeah. you can tripod and you'll put a lot of pressure using your shoulders, where you know now on top of being heavy. Uh, dude, you know how to apply pressure the right way. And so it's like, I don't, why would I want to get under that guy's side control or be in a position where you're in diagonal? And now I'm just like, I just hate this. You know? Yeah. The, that over under man, that's like really been a game changer. Yeah. I was wrong with, uh, with Rocky the other day and he gave me like a really nice compliment. He's like, he's like, your timing. It's just like, it's insane right now. Like you feel like, uh, what do you say? He said, um, it's like, it's you're finding the exact moment when you need to do something and the mm-hmm. rest of time you're relaxed. You're just chilling. You know what I mean? He was, we were having like a, one thing about Rocky, he's been rolling so long. He's been training so long that he, he brings like a different style to the table. It's like an right. old school style that I really like. I enjoy that style of jujitsu. It's very straightforward, but he never stops moving either. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's what I really like about it too. It's like, it's just that old school mentality of like, I'm not going to stop even like no matter what happens, you know what I mean? And, um, he was just putting, um, a ton of pressure on my guard. And like I said, I'm really just working on retention. And I mean, if us, if, a if a sweep means retaining, then I will go for the sweep, but then 
I, I'm not worried about finding myself back in my guard again mm-hmm. after that. You know what I mean? But yeah, he, that was a really nice compliment to be like, dude, your timing just insane right now. I was like, dude, that's really cool because that's what I think about like advancement. You know what I mean? It's not like, um, just, Oh, you were able to hit this sweep or, you know, the technique it's like, you understand when you exactly, you have the moment to hit this right technique. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that that's where it's hard for people to think about, am I getting better or not? And then, I mean, the easiest way to tell if you're getting better or not is like how, what is the outcome of your roles? But I think that there's even more efficient ways to find out if you're getting better, you know, like, um, when you can kind of utilize all of your tools and you know particular games, and when I say games, I talk about, like, different guards because I think that there's probably, like, you know, 20 or more guards that are are common that are just used all the time. And just figuring out, like, if you were playing a video game and you have those different perks and it starts off yeah. at zero, you know, it's like, yeah. what what is your spider guard perk all the way at, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get an idea, like, if you can do all of those things. And another element that I would add to probably in between sweeping and submissions is back takes as well. So that'd be another element that, you know, what does that look like in your game? You know? So yeah, jujitsu is good. How about you, Frank? What's your jujitsu all about right now? Uh, right now, I've just been trying to uh, recover guard, keep guard, a uh, little bit of the Houdini, try to get the back that way. But um, uh, Playing with that. I want to try that one night I was working with you, the uh, ZQ. Oh yeah, yeah. This guy is notorious for coming up with funky ways to choke people all the time, dude. Like, <laughs> I always sit there and think about. I mean, I can just see him tweaking out on it, and he'll be like, "Hey man, I want to try this." And I'm like, "All right, go for it, dude." And he's always got something up his sleeve. You don't want to get caught. Ooh, I'm sorry, who's that? Frank always has funky <laughs> oh, jokes, dude. Dude, Frank, like, it's funny because like. um there you know how stylistically like there's certain people that you roll against and you like uh certain people give you um more struggle than than other people right mm-hmm. and but then you can see that person that that gives you trouble go against a person that doesn't give you trouble and then that person that doesn't give you trouble like kind of mop the floor right yes. with that dude that does and that's what I see with uh, with Frank a lot of time because, like, he gives me a lot of trouble, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that other people that don't give me trouble fuck him up or anything like that, but it's just interesting to see the styles, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, there's, like, a level of respect that I have with Frank because we're, like, good friends just like with you. Right. You know, like, where I'm not trying to do anything dirty or, like, there's also times where Frank is just, like, so low, like, with his, like with his output, you know what I mean? That he's really just trying to work on something and you could tell those, those moments, but he's just fucking a good jiu-jitsu player, dude. You know what I mean? He has a really good understanding of movement. Like he lacks what he lacks in like terminology and nomenclature and like understanding of those. He just has the knowledge through like feeling and that kinetic style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm yeah, saying? No, it totally does. And like, he's a guy where, you know, I, I can always, I feel like I can judge somebody's jujitsu prowess and quality by looking at their energy expenditures, you know, like how hard is this person working? Are they, are they moving and working efficiently? And, you know, Frank is like, he'll, his breath will be like mine after the mm-hmm. end of our roles. And, you know, he's not huffing and puffing. It was just like, Hey, good role. Yeah. Cool. We'll go find some more roles, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, 
a hundred percent. I used to, I remember I used to, my challenge was like uh, rolling with Matt would be like, I wanted him to like at the end of our role, like be breathing heavy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think I'll finally have gotten there with him, but like for a long time, I remember it's like mouth still be closed and just be like, mm-hmm. all right, man, thank you. Well, and then <laughs> you you've know? done that. I remember like rolling with you even maybe two years ago and like your lips were purple after the roll, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and now you're, you're more comfortable on the mat. It's fun watching my friends get better at jujitsu, man. Super, super fun. I missed uh, Steve because uh, he used to romanticize jujitsu so much and that's like totally changed. Like we would tell him, you know, we're like, yeah, dude, like there's gonna be a day like where you're like... I'm not going to jujitsu today and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's, um, it's funny how he finally got there. He finally achieved. When I first met Steve, he didn't even like beer. Think. Really? <laughs> yeah. Remember like all the shit he posted? No, I would have been like, bro, if you don't like beer, we can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, he brought, okay. He, not that he didn't like beer, but he brought Newcastle to, uh, to an event. So he, he liked beer and he liked, good beer yeah but he just didn't know anything about beer see and then i've been shamed before (laughs) like because i like marathon beers but this was before they had sessions so i was like well what can i drink a lot of you know and not get smashed and not get too smashed oh duh coors light or bud light (laughs) so i remember bringing that to your house and you're like you can't come in (laughs) you You gotta leave that outside and i'm like no i'm not leaving it outside no you're like really really bro leave that outside You didn't leave it this, outside. No, I didn't leave it outside. <laughs> but that dialogue happened, though. That really happened. No, it's funny, man. It's funny to see uh, how the show's grown, man. It's been over a year now, um, 60 episodes in. Um, and we still like have like people that still listen to us. I don't know why. You know, what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, why do people listen to us? But uh, at least we're making someone happy. You know what I mean? Like I said, if we can make your Monday morning uh, any more enjoyable, it makes us happy. I think, too, like, you know, when the show was in its infancy, maybe there was like you had certain uh, attachments to what the, the product was going to be. And I think like now it's just one of those things like, yeah. Whatever. We're going to do the podcast. It's going to be fun. It's always fun. And hopefully somebody enjoys listening to it. That's the main thing. Yeah. As long as we can keep it fun. Because there's been, there's been episodes that like we, I didn't have fun doing. And like, if you go back and listen to them, you can tell that people aren't having it. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah, kind of thing. And, um, then there's certain episodes that are, we're just fucking laughing and like having a great time. You know what I mean? And those are the ones that like I enjoy the most, you know? So I'm just excited to see, you know, where the next year takes it, you know, thanks Um, for sticking with us again, guys, you know, definitely, definitely episode 60 sweet podcast out. Peace.